It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My, my, my Michelle Live. Sports timeout. The fans, the field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. Michelle with the fellas. Good to have you, my friends. I love this show. Sports timeout is, it's like, how could I not do this? The most fun I have in the week, hanging out with my bros and talking sports. It's just awesome. Listeners have come up to me and said, it really is so unique because you have this girl and she's like the little sister to a bunch of guys and she's got to hold her own, right? But she does it. And they talk sports and they give each other a bad time and it is a blast. And I'm glad you hey, let's not it. Let's not kid ourselves. You're the big sister. You're running the show here. We yeah. have no. <laughs> she's, we know what the she's, score is. She's the, the younger big sister. The younger big sister. Yes. Someone's got to take control of you people. That's I'm just right. saying. I'm just saying. So I'm glad you all enjoy the show. Thank you for your emails and your encouragement and even your prayers because this show not only has fun talking sports, but we get to a deeper story, and that is the God story mm-hmm. with us, Garrick Payne. Get ready to get. Brent R. Baker. Photographer Brent R. Baker. Del, did we? Two bucks. And we are here ready to take on sports. Guys, it's good to have you. So, a March Madness is upon us. And before the show, I think we should just get right into this. We're putting the madness in March Madness because, Brent, you were mentioning it's getting ugly out there. Yeah, it's not the kind of madness that we enjoy seeing for this time of year in basketball. It doesn't matter if it's college or pro or high school or men's or women's. It seems like the fights have taken on just like a new level of intensity that I haven't seen before. There's just more of them. There's the SEC tournament that had Kentucky, and I don't remember who the other team was they were playing, but there was an all-out brawl. Like, it's rare to see even in in men's sports. I think there were eight people ejected, and we're talking like punch-out brawls. There was one in one of the men's, men's conference tournaments this week, where two guys met at half court and there was just a sucker punch thrown. I've seen a couple of different high school teams ejected from state tournaments because like in the qualifying games beforehand, there were brawls that involved fans coming out from the stands out onto the court and, and throwing haymakers with players and coaches going into the stands and fighting with fans. And we've talked about the increasing violence that we've seen across all levels of sports in the last couple of years. And it doesn't seem to show any signs of slowing down. What the heck? Really, guys, what's going on that it is at this level? This is a game. I know tempers rage at times. Why is it that I see you, Brent, you have cracking in your background. If you're watching (laughs) rather than listening, that's your backdrop. But why is it, Dell, that we can see in things like hockey, folks throw a few punches, the refs are there, and then they say, okay, it's enough. And then everyone goes their way and everything's all good. Why are we seeing, though, an uptick in other sports of unfettered violence? Because there's no consequence for it. There is zero. If a professional gets it, what's a couple thousand to that person, to him or her? They may set out a, one game, so what to them? They don't care anymore. 
But until there's a consequence and charges filed and prosecutions filed, you won't. It's going to continue, and that's a harsh way to look at it. But somebody comes out that if they guy walks up, a sucker punches somebody right at midcourt, charge him, char- arrest him, and charge him. That's right what the they court. should do. Yeah. And that then it'll start slowly be going away. Yeah, and it sports is a microcosm of the world, right? And yeah. there's been a lot of pent up. <laughs> emotion over the last few years and as you were saying Dell I think it's it is that way people just brazenly walk into stores and steal stuff now because they know that the police are not going to prosecute them or the prosecutors are not going to prosecute them and the police can't do anything and so it's if you can get away with it you just do it and that's where we're at that's where we're at. So, yeah, putting a little of the madness in March Madness, but yeah. there are 360-plus teams marching towards the 2023 NCAA tournament. It's going to be at Houston's yep. NRG Stadium for the Final Four. It'll be April 1st and 3rd, and there is a lot going into it this year, and people are they're getting violent, but this is my favorite. <laughs> I don't love basketball. I'm sorry. I know we have fans that that really like the game of basketball and they say you guys don't talk enough about basketball i have a hard time basketball it has not been my favorite sport it's great it's a great sport i followed it i grew up following the sonics which they're they are no more but it's gotten so political that i'm just not jazzed by it anymore but boy when it comes march i am all in and anyone else feel that way yeah, I'm, I'm in that same boat a little bit. I used to cover. I used to love to cover the NBA when you had players. You didn't have you didn't have folks trying to get a message out. You can see <laughs> like right there, but right there's Bird, right there's Larry Bird, and guys like that. When they played the game, they played basketball. They weren't activists. So I've been away from the sport the last few years and I haven't covered a game in probably ten years. And same way with college, I'll glance at it here and there. But the Final Four, obviously, yeah, you you get your munchies, you get your chips. And you sit and watch ball games. Yeah, and it's fun. It's fun. But the price, I, did you hear this story about <laughs> the college basketball player that overdosed? Did you hear yeah. this? Illinois forward Matthew Mayer, he missed a couple of days because he OD'd. <laughs> On caffeine, six Monster Energy drinks because he was chasing that caffeine euphoria. Of, yeah, <laughs> I noticed that it was it was involved it involved gaming, online gaming. Yeah. So I don't know if it was Fortnite, <laughs> which one it was, but there there is actually a culture where you just keep on going and keep the caffeine going, and you can play. I don't know, eight, ten, twelve guys dying after playing 24 hours straight and and i'm glad it wasn't more serious but it's funny but it really isn't because i think it is it's a it's an addiction that we don't really talk about a whole lot this combination of of gaming and caffeine that can keep guys online for days without a break no wonder we're in the mess we're in now. What a world to stand. And yeah, there's people who wear diapers so they don't even have to get up and they can just game all night. I don't even want to get into it. That's just. Hey, sick. that might be a good solution for the first rounds of the NCAA basketball tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Something else going on in the college world I like a lot. I think it's a lot of fun to watch, and that's the Combine, and it starts today. And that's where, for those of you who aren't 
familiar with the combine, college athletes get to compete in mental and physical feats for folks from the NFL. So we get to see what the best and the brightest of the future is going to be, and they get to show off a little bit, and it's fun to watch. Del, you have you covered the combine? I, I've been there just a couple of times. I was trying to go this year, but just couldn't work it out because it's close to me there in Indy. But it's and it's changed over the last few years. It's becoming more of a made-for-TV production as well, in my opinion. They I kind of, like it, that, though. I think it's really I entertaining. I, I mean, come on. Football is entertainment anyway they make that's why we just got out of super bowl season it's nothing but entertainment that's what the whole dang thing (laughs) is so why not make the combine as well because it is freaking a blast to watch it is it's kind of going to the indy 500 time trials there you go see see (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i it's not something that i've watched but what i've noticed it's always interesting to see the analysis not so much like Mel Kuyper, who I get tired of, but That's just right. the, how the draft boards change based upon how guys do at the combine, because you have endless hours of game tape on yeah. these guys. Yeah. And granted, you can't always account for what the competition, you know, how they're doing against certain types of competition. But you'd think that a guy from Georgia mm-hmm. who's played in, against an SAC schedule against future pros, that you'd have a pretty good handle on him. Yeah. And yet... You have things come out of the combine and you realize, oh, this guy's faster than we thought. Or this guy's slower than we thought. There was a kid that my my son grew up with that was on no one's draft board at all. And went to the combine, combine and was like setting records as a wide receiver speed wise and ended up playing five years in the NFL because of his combine performance. See? So you just never know. Guys, yeah. I, go ahead, Garrick. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it... There, there's a whole different level of performance that's required of you when you get to the combine. Because if you played college ball and you performed at the higher level, you perform in front of big crowds, some of the more the bigger schools. But I think it's especially a great opportunity for players from small places to get an opportunity to shine. And and it, it I think it is a good test as far as the pressure that's going to be on you because when you become a pro football player, everybody's watching you. Everybody's watching. I think we should have our politicians do a combine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with mental acuity. Yeah. Yeah. Can you formulate a sentence? Would be okay. And so, social emotional maturity scores. And <laughs> right. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to see them put in that big cage and just fight each other. <laughs> they, they'd all, Actually, they'd that's all not a bad fight after the first day. <laughs> Why not? See who walks out. <laughs> you know what? I don't think we could do any worse than at any rate. This is about sports. Back to sports, Michelle. Back to sports, right? <laughs> so I, I thought this was a funny story as long as we're talking football that Tom Brady, will he be known in history as the GOAT? I don't know. But he has just lost a record. He has just been beat by a fellow retiree who has stayed a retiree, by the way, and that is Joe Montana. (laughs) What am I talking about? Joe Montana's Super Bowl-worn jersey was just sold in auction. There was a Tom Brady-worn jersey, signed jersey, and it was sold for 
$480,000 in January of last year, but Joe Montana's Super Bowl worn jersey. The opening bid was two hundred fifty thousand. The payer, the buyer, paid one point two million for that. And what are they going to do with it? Hang it up in the bar somewhere? What? You know, I'm going to put it on the wall right behind me here. There you um, go. You'll see it next week. Correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Told myself I wasn't going to pay over a million. You, you get got- all wrapped up in the auction, and just emotion <laughs> takes over. So I went to one point two one two million. Oh my gosh. Does your wife know? Ooh, <laughs> she might be watching. If it shows up on the wall, she can't say anything. I think I think why it went more was because there's so many Brady. Super Bowl trophies. That is, just, you know, it's here's another. One. And Montana only didn't even come close to winning t- Tom Brady. So it was more of a probably a, a sympathy vote. Two million dollars is a lot of sympathy. <laughs> I, I think I think records were made to be broken. And there I you think go. If, if I think this was one of Brady's Tampa jerseys are correct yeah it's a buccaneers i bet i bet if one i bet if one of his new england patriots super bowl worn jerseys goes up for auction now it would probably go for more yeah especially if he wore it in more than one super bowl but yeah records are made to be broken it doesn't surprise me it is hard to compare players of different eras i think joe montana certainly has a claim on goat status it's hard to argue with seven super bowl trophies but yeah with, with tom brady yeah. but, but it's not like he won them himself either well, there's that there is that there is that there was an article by the way that oh, yeah. i sent you guys it's it was an interesting one talking about does sports have shame anymore. It was citing the Washington Commanders team owner Dan Snyder who may have committed yeah. bank fraud $55 million loan without the necess- necessary approval from the team's board of directors. He misled folks. And, okay, so big deal. It's a big deal. And he right. also doesn't want to sell to Amazon founder Jeff Bezos because he owns the Washington Post, which is the source that reported a lot of these stories. How dare they? And this article was saying, is there any shame in sports? I wanted to take it even deeper it cited some stories and there's additional stories that now that it's women's history month even though we're not really sure what a woman is especially in sports anymore there's been there's a lot of stories guys where you see a poor treatment of women where you've seen Michael Irvin wasn't covering the Super Bowl because he was too busy being inappropriate at a Marriott hotel. The NFL has unveiled their Jim Brown award. And that's great because he had a strong voice in the civil rights movement, but he was also known for throwing a girlfriend off the balcony and raping other women. The NBA, for crying out loud, has had problems with their treatment of their players' treatment of women. So as we look at Women's History Month and sports, we don't really necessarily have a great record. And I'd like to have you guys weigh off on that. I'll give you another story. The NBA held its annual all-star celebration in Salt Lake City. They chose to include Carl and Malone impregnated a 13-year-old girl when he was 20. And his response was, I'm human. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, well, no, you say I was 20 years old and stupid and it's egregious. And I want to take this moment in the spotlight to say, guys, you need to get a mentor. You need to get help. You need to find Jesus. I don't know, but oh, whatever. I'm human. What? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Again, it just goes back to the culture, right? There's all kinds of things going on. People are excusing behaviors for whatever reason. And I actually, as a pastor, okay, I blame the church. Ooh, ouch. You know? This conviction <laughs> moment brought to you by Pastor like... Derek Payne. I'll give you his address. <laughs> <laughs> the state of our society is a report card on the church. The church really, I feel, has been asleep. Um one of my friends who's a pastor, he says, if there's mist in the pulpit, there's fog in the pew. And I just feel like so many pastors, you, that I don't want to turn this into a whole thing about the church, but <laughs> I just feel like pastors are afraid to offend and they're afraid and they're, they have to be careful. And then there's this whole misguided notion of separated separation of church and state. And when the founding fathers put together the original founding documents for our country, it was never to keep the church out of the state. It was to keep the state out of the affairs of the church, okay? And so we've lost our sense of morality. There, There is no longer a moral compass. Uh, and so end of my rant all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go off sports for just a moment because there is there's a story and quite a story i don't know if you heard about this but it is coming out of ferguson and it's a story of a church and maybe this is where churches need to really just step up their game but there were four guys who came to the back of the church they sat down. They had just robbed a store, and they were coming to rob the church. And the church, well, instead of freaking out, they got their spirit on. We're letting the Lord have his way. We're getting out of here. I still got a few more minutes. Act like I'm preaching for a moment. He goes to the back of the church. He sees What's these guys. Name? Calls the them out. Tell me your, what are you doing name? here? Amon. What's your name? Genesis. Kyrie. Say it again for me. Okay. Oh. I just saw the church and decided to come. Talk to me. So the church. I said, praise God that God sent them in here. <laughs> they just go all Holy Spirit on them. It's like, we're going to pray for these people. We're going to pray for these guys. They came here to do something wrong, but the, you, God had a different purpose for you. Church just comes out. They lay hands on them. Hands are raised. People are going crazy praying over. Look at this. This is freaking awesome. This is, I mean, yeah, that's something. So I just wanted to say, yeah, there's a report card on the church in our society. Sometimes we get the opportunity to take it up next level. They foiled this robbery. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I think there's been lately, there's been a, if you've seen some of the news, the revivals that on Asbury University, which is yep. close to me, and that has spilled over up into Cedarville University, which is about an hour from me here in Ohio. And there's been nonstop worship going on by younger kids, and that's very encouraging. But since we're off of sports for a moment, there's also been the enemy comes into play because we had a friend of ours went down there to Asbury to wait in line for three and a half to four hours to get in. When she came back, she got out of the service, walked back to find her car. 
Hers was one that was left, but there was numerous cars that have been towed. So oh they're towing people's gosh. cars who want to go to church. So wow. that's the enemy of work there. Wow. Just wow. But there is something happening and there's a stirring that's going on. One story that showed that to me was Deion Sanders. And I don't know if you heard this, but... It's reminiscent of my my buddy up here in Washington State, Coach Joe of Bremerton High School, who kneeled on the center line of the football games as a high school coach. Well, Deion Sanders uh, is refusing to go down like Coach Joe. He says prayers are constitutionally protected, and they're filing a lawsuit with, I believe it's Liberty University, to tell the University of Colorado to back off because I'm playing, I'm praying with my players. But I guess that's the question is, where is that okay? And where should we draw the line? We want revival. We want to change things around. Kids are depressed. They're fighting on the courts. You've heard all of the things that we've reported today. We could use a come to Jesus moment. But you mentioned, Garrick, separation of church and state. How do we ride that line in sports? Let's use that as our face off. Uh, face- all right. Who's weighing in? <laughs> Derek, you've been invited. <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure if one of you guys wanted to go first because I've been talking. <laughs> but it, we have gotten so indoctrinated, and I use that term very intentionally, into this notion that religion needs to stay out of the public square. And that is just not a- – anything else goes, right? We can do – anything we can say anything but if it has to do with faith it has to not be a part of the public discourse or dialogue and that is completely wrong and it's completely unfair but we're seeing it on the highest levels camilla harris came out this last week saying that people who are anti-abortion are extremists we had the fbi going after people who pray in front of abortion clinics going in with swat full swat to unarmed people this is coming from the highest levels but in reality this is where we need to say wait a minute because um there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, we're going to pray. You want to step out? This isn't your thing. I respect that. There needs to be respect, but that's inherent when you're really following God's way because God leaves room for people who don't believe, for love and for tolerance, for acceptance, and for respecting their journey. Does that sound a little too PC, Dell? But I'm <laughs> just saying. No. I, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, no, that doesn't sound too PC, but I don't, and Deion Sanders, was, that was, he was answering a question. So it wasn't when he said that. So he wasn't just forcing it down everybody's throats. He was asked a question. He answered the question, answered it honestly, and told his beliefs. I think that had he said, hey, we're going to do, we're going to get on our mats and pray six times a day, there probably wouldn't have been a, been a big deal about that. But when he brings up God and faith, then it's, oh, that's the media's kryptonite. They hate it. And they just want to jump after anybody who wants to stand up for faith. But I think you're seeing, like I said earlier, you're seeing a resurgence because several years ago when Tim Tebow kneeled, it was a bad thing. But when DeMar Hamlin goes down on the field dying, everybody kneels. Hey, it's that's and that was awesome. I was there. 
all of a sudden, hey, it's okay to do that. So I seem seeing a little shift in that movement, and I think Dion will come out on top on this. Yeah, I yeah. Go ahead, Brent. I, 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 think one, I think one thing, because we are dealing with a secular society, but I think mm-hmm. to play devil's advocate here, if Dion, Dion Sanders were a Muslim and he said that they were doing prayers to Allah, <clears throat> how would I respond to this, who's right. a coach whose faith is different than mine, as opposed to someone whose faith might look more than mine? So I think as long as I don't have a problem with coaches of different faiths offering their prayers, as long as, again, you have the option to participate or not participate, and you're not, you're not, your position on the team is earned by your performance and not by whether you align with the specific values or faith that your coaches have. Yeah, that's exactly the point that I was going to make, Brent, because I think where it crosses the line and where I do have issue is where there is favoritism or yeah. Or it's kind mandatory, of... and that's not yeah. okay. I wouldn't have well, pro- a problem if I were in, in a college setting, for example, and I'm playing for my volleyball team, and the coach is Muslim, and he says, we're going to do a Muslim prayer. You go ahead. I'm going to see anyone else want to pray to to my God, because I'll be right over here, kneeling over here. Sound good? All right, great. I don't have to be offended. You do you. That's great. But g- just don't stop me from doing what I do in my faith setting. Yeah. Yeah. And I just feel if, as Brent said, if the coaching side of it is done in a way that is is not a respecter of persons. And that's why I think this whole PC movement is really ridiculous because it is judging people based on color. Right. And so you have these quotas and you have to fill certain slots with certain number of people. And I think it's completely counterproductive as a person of color. If they're saying we need to hire a certain number of people of color, right, then if I get a job, it's do I have this job because I'm the best qualified person or is it because of the color of my skin? You have an asterisk next to your name, but you know where it's never going to happen and it shouldn't happen is on the play field because it just doesn't work. And that's where you see the best person. They don't care because you're going to make me money. We don't care because you're going to win me games. We don't care. But where we ride out our faith, it's a difficult time. A final story I wanted to bring up is this one where a Christian school in Vermont, I believe it was at Vermont, Brent, I think you sent me this story. Somewhere in New England, yeah. They forfeited a, a girls basketball playoff game because of a male player on the opposing team. And that was a difficult one for me because, no, I, I, I don't like it. But I don't want to separate myself from people that I don't like to the point where I can't love them and show them the love of Christ and show them that I'm not asking you to clean up or be like me before you find your faith because that's washing yourself off before you take a shower. But on the other hand, there's the issue of safety. Is it that really safe? Do you feel basketball is a contact sport, man? And that could be dangerous when you're playing with someone who's bigger and stronger. How do we ride that out? I wanted to take that on. How do you walk that line as men of faith? For me personally, it just comes back to the issue of should biological men be participating in women's sports? And I think that's that was more the stand that the university was taking was the fact that it's 
someone has to stand up at some point because if not, then nobody is nobody's going to. Yeah. And the whole Leah Thomas situation, he was like 256th in in men's swimming. Yeah. And then he wins the women's national yeah. swimming. It's like all these women, it, this is not, we, and we've talked about this ad nauseum uh, here on this show. But if you want to have transgender sports, then make a category if that's what you feel like you need to do. But I, I think women need to compete with women and men need to compete with men. And the whole transgender argument, that's a completely different conversation in terms of your own sexual preference or whatever. But when it comes to competition, then I, I'm just waiting to see when it's going to hit some of the major sports, w women's basketball, professional women's basketball, the WNBA, women's soccer. I'm just curious as how some of those athletes are going to deal with it, how they're going to feel about it if there's starting to be crossover in those areas. And it's coming. Especially when you start seeing injuries caused by yeah. the physical differences. I, mean, I saw, yeah. recently saw a clip from a high school volleyball game where a transgender male spiked the volleyball and yeah. hit a girl in the face. And I mean, it, if you're a girl getting hit in the face by, by a spike from a, female athlete that's really good that's rough but this one this girl is knocked out cold and mm. you that kind of stuff can only get worse the problem is like with the basketball thing sometimes you're going to say they're not that good or they're not that big or whatever but once you cross that line of allowing a biological male to play on a women's basketball team against mm. women you once that line is crossed, then eventually you'll end up with the six eight guy yeah. that's playing against a bunch of women. If you want to call it co-ed, then you, everybody knows what okay. it is, what yep. the risks are, etc. But yeah, I have no um, problem. And you've heard me yeah. say on this show and other shows that you're struggling with transgenderism, whatever you identify as. If you're an athlete, you deserve a place on the court yeah. you deserve to play you yeah. just don't deserve to play against me if you're a dude okay <laughs> that's just what i'm saying you have a separate category co-ed whatever but can i bring a little bit of levity to this situation? bring some levity for the yeah. love bring of some levity. <laughs> i remember 1982 i mentioned bird earlier when the boston celtics were playing in the nba finals against the los angeles lakers and in the game same three I think no, 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 no. It was you know, yeah, it was game three. The the Lakers ran the Celtics off the court, just blew them out by forty points. And after the game, Bird said a great quote after the game that he probably could not say today, but he said, "We played like a bunch of women tonight." <laughs> and now he probably gets suspended for that. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they then they came back and won the whole series and then and then won the championship. But I remember that vividly listening to that saying we played like a bunch of women tonight. <laughs> Funny thing because the stereotypical woman is the very thing that you see on RuPaul's drag race, which I that think is sexual sexual appropriation. So you see that with heels and big and fingernails. Yeah, you're not gonna yeah. play right right there's a reason why this girl doesn't have pretty fingernails you can't fish with fingernails uh, you can't play sports with really long fingernails 
Come on. Just saying. So there you go. <laughs> oh, that, that was a correction. It was 1984. I'm sorry. 1984. 1984. Guys, it's time for our final shot. Final shot. All right, let's final shot it. We're going to start with Brent R. Baker. Since we've been talking about March Madness a bit, I have some a pretty ra- random but pretty cool traditional March Madness moment. So in Washington State here, we have the boys and girls basketball tournament, state basketball tournaments going on. And there was a game last night, state quarterfinals between Eastlake High School and Bellarmine Prep. And... Went to overtime. East Lake was down by two with a second and a half to go. And just one of those March Magic moments. They had a second and a half to get the ball up court and launch off a three pointer and <laughs> and won the game. One of those things where I whether she got the ball off in time, I don't really know. But when you can pull off when you're down by two, you can pull off a full-length court pass and get off a three-pointer and win the game from 40 feet out. That's what everyone dreams of. And I don't know how they'll finish out in the final two games, but Eastlake High School girls basketball team, quite a finish. That's something. That is really something. I'm going to just give, this is just for sports alone, and this is up in Washington State as well. I was really impressed that the track team, Eight of their players did oh, yeah. the mile under four minutes. The, the did you hear about this, Brent? Yeah, I did. Of course, my my son ran track, and the mile was one of his events. So I know that. And yeah, the University of Washington Twice. men's track team. It was a few. It was a few weeks ago that they did it the first time, where they had eight guys in the same race get under four minutes. Yeah, just incredible. Now it's only a couple of generations ago that Roger Bannister broke four minutes, and it was a huge deal have eight guys and this was a true mile it wasn't the 1600 which right. is a little it, shorter and so i my but they, they, is, you know, they worked together to pull this off which shows how track can be a team sport but, but that well man said. what an accomplishment that is it, yeah, yeah it was amazing. and so my final shot just goes out to that in the midst of all the craziness and we often talk about here it really does get down to the sport and being the best that you can be getting off the video games and putting down the red bull and just putting your nose to the grindstone and working hard so there you go perseverance pays off let's go to garrick Pang. So my final shot today goes to a group of people, actually, that I came back from Las Vegas last night, and I was there for a work conference, and and there was a whole bunch of purple and gold in the, uh, the boarding area, and I found out it was the University of Washington Husky Band, because the, the women's basketball pack. 12 tournament is happening in Vegas right now. Washington State's made it through to the semifinal tonight, but University of Washington got knocked out early. But but it was fun because I'm a musician and I was in band in high school. I didn't I did jazz in college, but we didn't have a marching band at Seattle Pacific University. But but it was just it was fun because here were all these kids and they were just having a great time and when we when the flight took off they started singing and it was just it was really fun and i think band marching bands around the country are filled with just a lot of people who in, in high school or they used to call it the pep band for the basketball games and we'd play and anyway I, it's my, a big importance part of sports actually it, it and, is and many of the pro sports have either a drum 
conglomerate. Yeah. yeah. Or they'll have kind of a marching band. And it just, it really is an awesome part of sports. And I kind of like that final shot. Dell, bring us home. This is what women's month, right? I can't do Leah Thomas, so I will do, we'll give a shot to, her name's Katrina Cole, or, or Cole, is that a pronounce? I think she was that Nebraska cheerleader that they oh, won yeah. state, state championship and everybody on her team quit before the event and she went and performed by herself and actually placed, I think, eighth or something like that. So 17-year-old yeah. Katrina Cole. On her, on her grittiness and her, and her gutsy performance. Yeah, all by herself. Everybody else said, yeah, we're not going to do it. Yeah, that is great. I was trying to find the video. I couldn't pull it up during the show, but good for her. Way yep. to go. Stand up and do what you're called to do, no matter what. Though none go with me, I still will follow. I thank you guys <laughs> for being with me today. I love you guys. You are my brothers. I love this show. And I love y'all. Thank you for being part like us, share us, and be part of the solution. God is good. Thank you. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.